Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, and that's comic books, folks, not comics of some other sort. Uh, This is the only podcast in the existence of podcasts where two brothers talk about a thing they love, in this case, comic books. Uh, I'm one of those brothers, Kevin Hines, and I'm joined by my other brother, Will Hines. That's me. Yeah, and we are comedians from opposite coasts. We are, Mm -hmm. as I said, brothers, and we are comic book fans. So we're doing a podcast, mostly as an excuse for us to talk to each other about comic books, but also as an excuse to force you to listen to us talk about comic books. That's right. Two obligations in one. Yeah. Uh, and right now we're in the middle, uh, or the very beginning, still at the beginning, um, of a season about Marvel superheroes Secret Wars. This is the miniseries from the mid-80s, written by Jim Shooter and mostly drawn by Mike Zeck, where all the Marvel superheroes are teleported to a magical <laughs> planet where they are forced <laughs> to fight uh, a bunch of supervillains. That's the story. Mm-hmm. And it was hugely successful, critically tolerated, and now I think it's become beloved. I think it is a beloved story. It is also one of, if not the first, crossovers, uh, event comic crossovers that a big company did. Some people say it's Crisis, some people say it's this. It's unclear which one was sort of started first. Uh, though I think Secret Wars issue one was released first. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of it's a it's influential. Yeah. Um, um, and we're doing issues three and four this episode. That's right. We'll recap issue three real quick, and then we're going to go uh, in depth on issue four. You know, we're, you're expecting the standard in depth knowledge that Will and I bring mm. to these comics, where we're just sort of like, like, oh, that's cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah, ooh, another thing we like. Um, so you're going to get some of that, but we're not going to do that for issue three. You're going to have to just sort of fill that in yourself. You're going to read it yourself and say, that's cool and I like that. Yeah. Uh, but issue four, we'll do that for you. We'll tell you what you should like. Kevin, before we get into it, what did you think of three and four overall? Um, I like them. I like them a lot. I, yeah, me too. It was They're really fun. I, I think they're even better than one and two. This was... Um, so I sat down and I sort of chose which issues we'd go in depth for in each pair, um, knowing I would do issue one and issue 12. And there's parts of issue three that I kind of wish uh, we were going in depth for because I think it's a fun issue. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that later. But uh, I, I, issue four is one of the, the most memorable moments from the entire Secret Wars crossover. So we had to do that one. Yeah, I agree. It's iconic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's an issue we had. I think that might this might issue four might be the first issue we had. I think I remember having that cover and that issue. I in do your too. Box, so I, I feel like I agree with you. I remember just sort of seeing it. So we we had that one. But I don't think we had issue three originally. Again, you might have picked up back. You were a back issue guy. You would go into the boxes. My oh, back yeah. issues. And that was my whole your, deal. You'd fill miss in your it, collection. Miss it when it first came around, and then and then go running to try to catch up. So there might have been a point where we had all twelve, but certainly when it first started. Uh, when I read it initially, it was like, I think we had like, we definitely had like the second six. Yeah. Um, so seven through 12. And then we were like missing a few issues before that. I mean, luckily this, it summarizes its own plot every four panels. Yeah. So that's it's great. easy to catch up on. Um, so yeah. Uh, do you want to get started? Do you want me to do the recap? Yes, you should. I'll just chime in now and then to mess it up. Great. Uh, so this is what happens in issue three. So as you remember, in issue two, it left off with Wasp having been uh, 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 captured, right? Yes. Uh, by Magneto. And uh, 
um, the heroes uh, uh, sort of like going, well, we can't chase her because like a storm is brewing. Like a thunderstorm. Yeah. Yeah. So great. So this is starts that storm is raging. It's super powerful, more powerful than the earth storm. Uh, we see Magneto hanging out with his captured uh, wasp. Uh, and I guess he's trying to talk her into him not being that bad, I guess, is his idea. They also kiss. And it's a weird yes. moment because later on, Wasp claims that she was tricking Magneto by kissing him. But it seems yeah. like he's just sort of assaulting her. It seems like he grabs her and kisses her and she instantly is like, you know what? I'm into it. Yeah. which That's, uh, that's what it's portrayed as. It certainly reads bad. <laughs> it doesn't um, look super progressive. A Spider-Man catches the X-Men and they're planning to go meet up with Magneto because they're like they're leaving the heroes and going to meet with Magneto. I'm never quite sure why they want to do that other than like they're all mutants. Uh, right. But that's like one of the subplots of Secret Wars is the regular regular the non-mutant heroes are like, can we trust the mutants? Yeah. And the mutants are also like, should we bother worrying about the humans because they persecute us? And, well, the main reason they seem to uh, not trust the mutants, though, are because the mutants are like standing up for Magneto, who is a villain. Yeah. Who's a no doubt about it villain. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man catches them talking about that. So he attacks them, beats them up and runs off. Uh, Professor X then wipes Spider-Man's memory before he can tell uh, Snitch, basically, before Spider-Man can snitch. Yeah, uh, Professor X just wipes his memory. Like, you forget how powerful that is. That's, yeah. like, terrifying. Uh, Doctor Doom creates two new supervillains, Titania and Volcana, from Denver Citizens. It's not shown, but it's revealed sort of in in dialogue that Denver is also on this battle world. The city of Denver? Yeah, the city of Denver. Oh, yeah, I couldn't figure out where they came from. Yeah, I think just do mentions, like, I grabbed these people from Denver. Uh, <laughs> this series is great. Like, The Secret Wars does not get bogged down in details. Yeah. Um, Thor uh, lets Enchantress go. The Marvel heroes had captured her earlier. So Thor lets her go, and then they teleport away to go talk somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and then the storm ends, and the villains are showing up to attack. It's pretty fun. I mean, it is sort of like... Okay, heroes versus villains are fighting, but and there is fighting and there and and there's good battles, but a lot of it is just like who can you trust? Who, you know, like character games of heroes and villains trying to make alliances with each other, yeah. right? Like Doom doesn't want to play Beyonder's game. He wants to you know, have a couple villains help him you know, betray that and then when that doesn't work, only then does he do, agree to fight the heroes yeah. and the mutants might not want to be with the heroes and Hulk is degrading back into monster mind. So he might not be reliable. It's a, it's like, you know, unstable teams. It's quite fun. I should also say like the villains kick butt at the end of this issue. They like, yep. They beat the crap out of the heroes. They win this round, even though they're sort of underhanded, uh, uh, shorthanded. Uh, the villains are sort of shorthanded. The, the heroes are sort of knocked around pretty easily. That's right. Uh, what's your favorite um, moment from this issue? Well, we, we each get to pick one moment to dwell on. Um, I I forgot to pick. I'm going to say it's how silly Molecule Man is. Uh, so Molecule Man saluting Doom. Uh, in a so Molecule Man is arguably the most powerful person in either camp because he has control over all molecules, right. all inanimate objects. You know, he could theoretically rip the planet apart. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Doom has sort of been recruiting him because Doom knows how powerful he is. And but Molecule Man is temporarily very like doesn't want to, he's like in therapy and he's very sensitive and doesn't want to do any bad. But he also is under Doom's sway. Doom's, so my favorite moment is this exchange. Oh, go ahead, Kev. Do you want to uh, Doom's very that Doom's very charismatic. That's right. Say. That's that's the justification is Molecule Man is like, oh, he's so charismatic. So this this little exchange is my favorite moment. Doom says to Molecule Man, yours is the most important role, Mr. Reese. You must remain at my side. Vigilant. And Molecule Man like salutes and goes, got it. And it just <laughs> seems like so, so like, I mean, aren't you a little concerned that this metal man who is like named Doom is just telling you to be ready? I don't yeah. know. It seems funny to me. Um, that's mine. That's great. Uh, mine's the, definitely the uh, Spider-Man X-Men fight. Um, yeah, really fun. It is a weird and fight. It, I think X-Men fans hate this scene because Spider-Man just beats the crap out of them and runs off. He handles them quite easily. Like, they're barely a threat to him. Yeah. He makes them seem weak, and I think people don't like that because, you know, the mutants are legitimately powerful characters. Sure. But it sort sure. of just reads like Spider-Man got a surprise on them, got a few lucky punches and ran off. Not unlike when he Spider-Man attacks the FF in issue one of Amazing Spider-Man, where he initially is doing pretty good, but you'd assume the FF are going to win that fight long term. Yes. Um, there's also, for, look, we're, we're Spider-Man guys. We'd love to see Spider-Man have his way. Mm-hmm. Also, um, they underestimate him, I think. Everybody underestimates Spider-Man because he is a kid. Or, you know, even a a young man in his early 20s and he's got this happy costume. But he's like one of these stronger heroes. He's not just like a fit guy who punches like, say, Batman or Daredevil. He is like supernaturally powerful. You know, can like lift vehicles and stuff. So like and he's got a radar sense that warns him when anything's going to hit him. And he's got incredibly fast. So I don't know. Yeah. He's mostly he mostly like gets in a couple like you say gets in a couple cheap shots and yeah. then runs off. That's not so hard to pull off. And then Professor X just wipes his mind yeah. from a distance. So the X Men do win that battle in the end. I've definitely seen people complain about the scene uh, on on the internet and stuff like that. X Men fans, I'm speaking of, they hate it. Uh, but it's fun. Spider Man jumps down. Just to recap, what he does, he jumps down. He knocks over Professor X. Knocks over Cyclops. Webs classes his face while Wolverine misses him with his claws. Uh, webs yep. up Rogue and pulls her up into the air while Storm misses with her lightning. Uh, Nightcrawler chases after him, but before he can teleport, Spider-Man webs him. And then he smacks Wolverine aside when Wolverine tries to leap on him. I think that's the moment that is like the most damning is like Wolverine, who is, you know, at this moment in Marvel Comics, ascendant and becoming one of the more popular characters. Yes. Um, he's like the new kid, the new star and the old star, relatively speaking, Spider-Man just kind of bouncing up. It feels like Wolverine would do more damage than this. I, I agree with that one. Like Colossus is slow. And so if Spidey avoids the punches at me, also storm should probably do better, right? She yeah. can throw like a lightning bolt. Yep. Uh, uh, Colossus doesn't I, even get a blast off until the very end when Spider-Man's out of the room. Cyclops. The Cyclops, yeah. They, they look bad. I mean, Nightcrawler yeah. never teleports. Yeah, I, I got to admit, it does look, it's, it's a little unfairly weighted to Spidey. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't subdue any of them to, in any permanent way. Like no. He just, he runs away. If he stayed in the room, they'd win. Yeah. 
Um, it's I think it's very fun. Um, it's it's really funny, and I got to give a credit to Shooter. I mean, Jim Shooter, not known for being a writer, the writer of Secret Wars, editor in chief of Marvel Comics. It's fun. It's he he's focusing on the fun. It's fun to see Spidey. Spidey is the most popular character in Marvel Comics. It's it's a good strategy to have him kind of be a a wiseacre who wins, and, and and then give Professor X the victory also. And, and like Marvel characters are always at each other, you know they're always almost yeah. fighting anyway. You you get a little bit of this constantly in Marvel Comics. It just feels right. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's it's a very fun, quick moment, but it does, it reminds me of Spider Man beating the FF a little bit when he yeah. first meets them. Yep. Like those moments are always really cool to me where it's like, um, yeah, and Spider-Man at this point is not quite a kid. He's a young adult, like you said, but there's something fun about, you know, uh, the sort of jester character is what he feels like sometimes coming in and just sort of like knocking everyone over and running off. And you're just like, oh man, he's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, he irritates me with his jokes and he also irritates me because I can't, because he, he's better than us. Or he, he, cause he's immensely powerful. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, but but issue three ends with the villains in the upper hand. They have a surprise attack because the Hulk oversleeps <laughs> because he's becoming dumb. Yeah. And um, it is very funny to have a shot of like Captain America and Hulk sleeping next to each other while the villains are attacking. It's like, oh, they don't look good. They're sleeping next to each other and they oversleep. Like it's the dumbest reason to get a surprise attack from I don't think there should be a time when all the heroes are asleep, maybe ever. If yeah. like all of the most powerful villains are in the next space unit over or whatever, yeah, yeah. but it's kind of silly. But plot wise, that allows the villains to get the jump on our boys and girls. And so it, issue three ends with the villains having really taking them out. Right. So let's, and they're kind uh, of, um, they had, the heroes have to run away and the villains destroy their headquarters. Right. So let's talk about issue four. Uh, so issue four, before we even get into it, it's drawn by different artists. Mike Zeck did not draw issues four or five. It's it's Bob Layton did these issues. Just shows you interesting, you know, this, if they knew what a landmark event this was, it'd be like, maybe let, I mean, Zeck was doing great. Right? I mean, Bob Layton's art is really good, but it's just strange to me how casual they are about switching staff, you know, yeah. for like, you know, if you were like filming a movie and you fell behind schedule. You wouldn't be like, all right, switch the cinematographer and all the crew. Uh, we'll bring because we got to just. I mean, maybe you would, but like, you wouldn't yeah. do that if it was like a huge, big budget thing that you were banking your studio's fortunes on. Right, but if you're doing a television series and like you need to get this episode shot because you got to film the next episode, or you're gonna maybe. have a huge gap. Yeah, you might just say like, ah, good enough, moving on. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. We'll we'll ruined that scene for our show, but we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> leave it in, try to fix it in post because we gotta oh, we man. gotta move on. I would love to have the kind of career where I was able to have that impact. Because <laughs> um, I think like these issues, he he's coming from Captain America. These issues are I think are a little more intense on him. I also think Jim Shooter. I think I've read somewhere that Jim Shooter made him redraw some stuff. Bob um, Layton, uh, Zach, Zach. Okay, so so Zach was falling behind and he needed like some. Sp- time to catch up um yeah so bob layton draws this issue four yes uh, should we get into it yeah let's talk about, <laughs> i love the title by the way uh do you want to look at the talk about the cover really real quick because yeah. it's a really cool cover oh it's a, yeah this is this is to me the cover that i think of when i think of secret wars this is the well i think i think of the black costume cover first yes and that's then the this. that's the cover i think of and then this one um 
yeah, this is a cover of uh, the Hulk holding up a mountain is what we find out later. But just the cover is basically all Earth with this little sliver cracked open with the Hulk holding it up and all the heroes sort of underneath him. It's a great drawing. It's really fun. Uh, beneath 150 billion tons stands the Hulk and he's not happy. That, that's a very Stan Lee. Yeah. Um, way to sell it too. And yeah. I, I love it. Shooter's trying to sell it. I'd love this without that caption too. It just, it looks, I'm interested in what's going I on. I think it would be better without the caption. Yeah. Like it would, it would, but it's, it's really fun. I mean, this is the kind of comic that if you're a superhero reading fan and you see this on the spinner rack at Seven Eleven, you grab it, I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is why this is the first issue you got. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you heard it was good or maybe you just saw this cover and were like, oh, this Ooh, looks, this looks get fun. It. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So, what do you want? To, uh, the, the title is fun. Well, what is it? <laughs> Situation hopeless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've, I mean, I feel like Shooter outlined the story, and then he's got these like bullet points on his bulletin board, or you know, whatever on index cards, and he's like, you know what? What I wrote down here is a little note to myself. That's a good title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this um, is really fun. The first splash page is just their base exploding. Yes, with a really fun sound effect. Bo wa woom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and you know, I, you know, Secret Wars not big on subtlety. The villains are watching it implode, um, and one of them, maybe it's Absorbing Man, is saying, "There, so much for the superheroes headquarters." <laughs> Just <laughs> cheerfully. Yeah. <laughs> There's no remorse for human life, or like a, or like just being in awe of the feat that was accomplished. Just like. There we go. Uh, Doom has returned and taken charge of the villains again. He was sort of doing his own thing for a bit. So he's now working with the villains. He has Ultron reprogrammed and working for him. And he's got his two new villains, Titania and Volcana. Or Volcana. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. Uh, I love Titania and Volcana. And I like that this series, despite being a crossover, creates two new characters. Their powers are great. They kind of remind me of Fire and Ice, of J- Justice League. Like, new characters kind of added, you know, uh, next to all these, like, more veteran uh, characters. It's kind of fun. I'd also say Titania. Titania is still around. Like, she's in Immortal Hulk right now. She, uh, uh, I assume Volcana is, too. I don't see her as much, but uh, there's lasting power to these characters that you don't always get when someone is, like, created just for, like, an event comic like, Dr. Light was created for Crisis, um, and while uh-huh. Dr. Light was in Justice League International that we read, I don't think about yeah. Dr. Light much. I, I, I don't I guess most people don't think about Titania, but she shows up a fair amount. Uh, a good villain. There aren't enough good villains, so when you get a fun one. What it, makes a good villain? I mean, she's got good powers, right? Like, that's... that. Secret Wars is kind of like an action figure story, just like, what are the cool things the different characters can physically do? Yeah. Uh, and these two are amongst the most powerful of the villains. Yeah. Titania is stronger than all of these villains. She's like throwing huge rocks and the wrecking crew are sort of like cowed by her because she's clearly stronger than them, which is fun. Steve Ditko villains really look funny next to those guys. Like Dr. Octopus is there, you know, walking around on his metal arms. <laughs> yes, doesn't, he doesn't look too helpful to me. Yeah. Uh, a Doc Ock and the lizard stand out as sort of, uh, uh, why are these weirdos here? You don't see the vulture swooping around overhead being like, we don't need this old man. Yeah. Uh, we also see that Volcana and uh, a Molecule Man are flirting. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Like, um, uh, Shy Molecule Man is like, um, 
kind of giggly around his possible girlfriend. Yeah, she likes him. Uh, he likes her. It's an instant attraction. It's very sweet. Um, <laughs> there's like fun moments. Doc Ock has uh, uh, is watching the base explode with these like uh, weird Crazy binoculars. Goggles. Yeah, uh, and there's something about this series. It feels like it. Almost, I almost wish Jack Kirby was around to draw this series because it's built for him with just like, uh, there's just random tech that you can just have anyone find at any moment to play with. That's that's like Jack Kirby's wonderland. Yes. Um, Titania, who's been a villain for like an hour. um, Bah, Titania needs no weapons. She's talking like Dr. Doom. I assume an hour and a half ago, she was like a manager of Staples in Denver and (laughs) she's adopted supervillain, dialogue pretty quick yeah on the next page she picks up an enormous piece of machinery and just tosses it at the heroes basically because they see the heroes climbing out of the wreckage so she tosses like like a boat a a yacht yeah at them a yacht sized piece of machinery and this is where the wrecking crew (laughs) respond uh all right wrecking crew if she can do it we can uh, bomb them with uh, smaller chunks of debris. <laughs> That's really funny to me, too. Yeah. Um, but then um, Owen, i.e. Molecule Man, started to impress um, Volcana, lifts up a mountain range the size of the Andes and uh, floats it on over to the heroes. Yeah. Uh, I'll just drop those on them, he says. <laughs> it's so casual. See, see those mountains in the distance? I'll just drop those on them. I mean, it is like Shooter is playing with dolls. Yeah. It, and just doesn't seem to be worrying about the consequences of these decisions. We cut to the heroes before the first uh, volley of machinery has hit them. We see, like, the Hulk carrying She-Hulk and Ben Grimm. The thing turned back into Ben Grimm. Did I mention that? Or that happened issue? that happened issue two. We talked about that. So yes. he's, cast, he's carrying Ben Grimm, he's carrying She-Hulk, Spider-Man, and Mr. Fantastic. Iron Man's got Captain Marvel. Uh, the Human Torch's arm is hurt. Uh, so the only Yeah, he broke his arm. So, like, they're not in good shape. And then Spider-Man sort of lifts his head, Spider-Sense going off. And he sees the cruise ship-sized piece of debris that Titania threw heading that way. Yeah. And who saves them? Hawkeye? Yeah. Question mark? I love it. I love it. Um Hawkeye shoots an arrow at it and splits it into two pieces. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, and then Iron Man zaps those two pieces to push them further apart so they don't land on them. It seems like we didn't need Hawkeye in that. Like I Iron Man could have... love Hawkeye uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in the comics. At this point, as a kid, I didn't care for Hawkeye. And it wasn't until the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon that I really got Hawkeye. The idea yeah. of this guy who fights with arrows, and he's got a couple lines in the series where he sort of does it, but doesn't see himself as lesser. Like he sees himself as like, I can stand toe to toe with the Hulk and Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, there's like, what are you going to do? Shoot an arrow at him? He's like, yeah, if I got the right arrow, he's sort of just like, yeah, it's like, Ooh, I kind of, I kind of really dig that. Marvel. Part of Marvel comics is like, you have to work in these characters whose powers are so strange. Yeah. Let's see. We got Iron Man. Whose suit is basically a one man military force. You got a thunder god, a gamma-powered ogre. Why don't you try one of your arrows there, Hawkeye? I mean, I'm not the first one to make that joke, yeah. but it, it is sort of perpetually funny. Um, in the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, when he uh, joins the team, he joins the team because they all get captured, and he hears about it, and so he uh, goes and rescues them. 
uh-huh. and it's a very fun series. Uh, like he goes first, he fight like uh, a lot of stuff happens, but he ends up saving them. And then like the next episode, he saves them again. Uh, and they they're like, hey, uh, you should join this team. And he goes, I don't know if I want to be in a team where I have to rescue everybody all the time. And it's very <laughs> funny. Obviously, the story was like built to put him in those positions, but it like yeah. feeds his ego. And it's very, very funny to see this guy sort of being like, I don't know if I want to be on this team. I have to keep saving everyone. Yeah. Um, when clearly he's, yeah, he's the least powerful of them. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, the machinery does not land on them. Yeah. They're sort of patting themselves on the back. They're feeling good about themselves. Uh, and then Captain America looks up and there's a mountain. Yes. And the caption, like I say, suddenly unbelievably a mountain range, which would dwarf the Andes limbs above them. There's a lot of descriptions of how big things are. It's like, oh, this, the headquarters of the villains is the size of Chicago is said at one point. It doesn't look as big as the Andes. I mean, the Andes is... It's a continent, right? It's the whole yeah, it, west coast of the South America. Yeah. I mean, we, we see, I mean, they're just dots underneath it, but it feels just like a chunk of the Andes. It's more than a mountain. It's a little, it's a mini mountain range. I mean, yeah, it's still got, like, plenty. That's still plenty to crush a human. Yeah. I think this would fit in like Vermont. Yes. It does not look like it would cross uh, multiple states. But it's bad news for our, for our heroes. Yeah. And it lands on them. They're right in the middle of it. Malcumin, so, perfect aim. And so we just go to the villains. The villains are celebrating. They're like, oh, that was easy. And it does sort of seem like, why didn't Molecule Man do this back on Earth? I mean, it seems like, how did anybody ever beat Molecule Man? <laughs> Dr. Octopus says, that must have killed them. Yeah, they're all super, they're all just super psyched. Except for it Dr. Means- Doom. Dr. Doom goes, perhaps. Dr. Doom is used to the FF never being defeated. Yeah. So he doesn't, he he's doesn't, been hurt. He's been hurt before. Yeah. He's like, my first five appearances, I would, I was, I floated into space. I shrunk into nothingness. Uh, let's, let's, let's slow our roll here until we really find out what's going yeah. on. Uh, we cut away to uh, Thor and Enchantress who are somewhere else on the planet, just sort of hanging out. And Thor's trying to basically convince Enchantress to be good because she's Asgardian like him. Yeah. And she's flirting with him. Yeah. Got lots of got lots of making out in Secret Wars. I mean, again, this was like my first as a kid. This is where I met Enchantress. And this first time I saw Thor outside of those cartoons, those uh, stop motiony, uh, barely animated cartoons, where I probably saw a couple episodes of Thor. But this is like my first yeah. real Thor experience. A lot of these villains. This is my first experience with Molecule Man. Um, yeah, uh, Ultron. Uh, the Wrecking Crew, Absorbing yeah. Man. I had not seen any of these characters before, but also yeah. like when I think Enchantress, this is the story I think of. Like like those other ones I've read other great stories, but like I still think of this story with Enchantress for some reason. This is like where she really, uh, she's a memorable character. Yeah. Um, I just read the Walt Simonson run of Thor like last year. <laughs> yeah. And she's all over that, but I she's had, great. I really, yeah. I had no, um, I didn't have a lot of stories in my head about Enchantress other than this. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, they feel the the planet shake when the mountain range is dropped on it. Yes. And so they go to the villains. Thor wants answers. And this is where he also finds out that Enchantress is going to stay with the villains. Yeah. He kind of he gives her a chance to like, you know, they're basically like, a, a, first of all, Titania wants to fight Thor one on one, which is very funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like. Hey, Titania, at 10 a.m., you know, you were like a traffic cop uh, and maybe 
maybe hold up before you challenge a Norse god. I also just love this. So they're like, it's it's thirteen to one. Yeah. Uh, and he goes. He looks at Enchantress to see if she's going to switch sides, and she doesn't. She kind of shamefacedly looked down at her feet, and so Thor, Thor is kind of like, "All right, so be it. It's me versus all the villains." Right. Doom gives him a chance to surrender. Uh, yes, and Thor I goes, guarantee you a merciful death. And and Thor basically says, "Are you mad, Doom? Do you truly believe?" That any odds might deter Thor from striving to the last breath? I love it. The response to that is good, too. Of course not. However, common courtesy demands that I make the offer. It is 13 to 1 against you. Yeah, I love it. All that. That's just so fun. (laughs) That exchange is delightfully fun. Common courtesy. Every now and then, Doom follows the uh, uh, Geneva Conventions (laughs) of superhero battles. He's the most polite of your dooms. Uh, they attack him. I love Doc Ock's like wielding a boulder in one of his tentacles. Um, this is kind of a, but this is a fun battle. It's all the villains going at Thor and he holds his own, right? Yeah. yeah he's doing I mean, really he's a, good. He's a god of thunder. He is. I mean, um, he is, uh, uh, Thor fans say he is the better than, but he is nearly the Superman of Marvel Comics. Uh, I could, I could see that, right? I mean, yeah. he's lived for centuries. He's a uh, big time Thor fans think Thor would beat Superman in a fight. Uh, I do not, but I think but, by definition, Superman would beat any hero he went up against. That's right. Ultimately. Uh, but Thor, when it just comes to like Marvel story heroes, wise, even just like as the first. Yeah. But when it comes to Marvel heroes, like Thor's the guy he's, he's like, I mean, this is why like when he shows up in infinity war, yeah. uh, you feels like, ah, oh, Thanos is going down. We yeah. got Thor back. Right. It's also funny when he was like fat, sad Thor. In sure, those movies. sure. <laughs> it's really great. Um, okay, so the the villains are but the, okay. Thor holds his own, but in the end, they vaporize him. Right. Uh, Ultron's been given some new disintegrator rays, which he just demonstrates on a piece of machinery, and then zaps Thor, leaving just his helmet and a scrap of cloth. And Enchantress looks distraught. Yeah, she cries a little bit, uh, and then Ultron kills Kang. <laughs> because Kang shot um uh shot uh, uh at Doom earlier. Yeah, so it's revenge. Yeah. Do- Doom's a real like mob boss. Yeah. And that same uh tier of the comics we see Thor's hand though. I don't know if we we know for sure it's Thor, but it's like it lets we us know, know Thor. Thor survived. Yeah. Um but he's hiding. He's biding his time to maybe gain information or something. That's right. Uh Let's take our break here. I agree. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. And we are back. Yeah. So when we left off, the uh, heroes and villains had started a uh, 
three-legged race competition to see who gets the Beyonder's powers. They're laughing and joking around. There was a big group hug of the mm-hmm. X-Men and uh, Dr. Doom and Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Um, the three-legged race gets pretty heated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some people think it's not fair, like that the Hulk, you know, he's tied to Hawkeye and he's just sort of, you know, leaping with Hawkeye tied to him. It, I agree. Yeah. It doesn't seem fair, but that's the rules. You know, there's not, yep. you know, you can do a three-legged race. The Hulk has an advantage. Um. That's not what happened, Kevin. Oh, whoops. Uh, that's a, that's my fan fiction, Secret Wars comic. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the X-Men, and they're flying. They've left the Marvel heroes uh, right before this battle. If you think about it, if the X-Men had been there, maybe this mountain is not dropped on the, the heroes. Maybe the X-Men turn the tide, and the heroes win this battle, and it's all over. How, what would they have done against the mountain? Would well, before the mountain, like, like the villains invade the space, destroy the heroes, oh, right. leave, and then drop a mountain on them. If the X-Men oh, were yeah, in the, there, the villains the might lose invasion. that initial battle. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Even if the Hulk wake, wake, woke everyone up late, you add Wolverine, Cyclops, <laughs> Colossus, and Rogue, and, 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 and Professor. Yeah. Yep. Storm? Eh, who needs her? I forgot <laughs> exactly. about yes, yes, the weather. Yes, uh, and, and Storm. Uh you know, and obviously, if Thor had stuck around too, like you know, they lost, they, Thor and the X Men weren't around for this battle, uh, right. and that hurt. So the X Men are on their way to Magneto, but also Magneto's charming wasp. He makes her a metal comb. <laughs> right, right, right. What a charmer! He makes her comb. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the wasp still has a little bit of the Stan Lee uh, DNA in her, where she's like talking about how uh, you know. She, she not, you know, like how she wishes they had powder rooms and salons and things like that, despite the fact that she's yeah. like the leader of the Avengers. Right, right. Um, as a bald man, I just want to compliment Magneto's hairline. It's it is formidable. Like <laughs> his hairline is like halfway down his forehead. It is thick, lustrous silver hair. One of his uh, secondary mutant powers is luxurious, luxurious hair. If he and Agatha Harkness had a kid, that kid would never. That kid would have white hair at birth <laughs> and would never lose it. Well, one of his kids is Quicksilver, right? Yeah, it does have white yeah. hair, right? Um, uh, how many? Ab- also, we see some Magneto's abs. And, you know, like a lot of superheroes, instead of just two columns of abs, there seem to me to be like four or five columns of abs. I'm looking where he's pouring a beaker of liquid. Yeah. On, you know, the, the tier below giving the comb to Wasp. Also, his shoulder muscles sort of move on into his arm quite a bit. Why would Magneto need to be it, that strong? Yeah, he can move all metal. Like he, why, is he, why is he doing He should look a little like, more like Doc Ock, right? He, like, his powers do all the... Let himself go. I'll do all the fighting. He's not punching anybody. Yeah, I guess he's just vain or something like that. Botox. Yeah. Working out. So the X-Men arrive and are basically like, hey, Magneto, don't be a jerk. Be good with us. And he's like, yeah, that's what I was telling Wasp is I'm pretty good. Let's go kill all the bad guys. Let's murder all the bad guys now. And Wasp turns into a Wasp uh, and defeats the X-Men and flies away. Yeah, the X-Men get kind of beaten up. I mean, I guess... In the Secret Wars, you are as powerful as you as your seniority is in the Marvel like org chart, yeah. right? Like Wasp has been around since 1962. These X Men have been around since 79. So she wipes the floor with these much more powerful. This people. fight is much more humiliating than the Spider Man fight, right? <laughs> yeah. Wasp kicks just, Wolverine she, in the face. 
<laughs> and somehow strong enough that he, him knocking over, seems to knock over Colossus behind she him. She zaps Magneto with her stinger, and he's down for the count. He's like out he's of down the for fight. The count. Cyclops does nothing this whole battle. The leader, the most experienced, doesn't even Nightcrawler move. never teleports ever. I don't. I haven't seen a Bamf yeah. yet. Uh, Storm doesn't use her powers. It's 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 weak. It's <laughs> it's a weak showing. Uh, she flies away. She jumps into a vehicle uh, that's sitting around and takes off. Uh, Professor X doesn't let Magneto crush the vehicle with his magnet powers uh, because he feels guilty from wiping Spider-Man's memories. Yeah, he's like, we can't use our powers. He's kind of like Prime Directive thinking, like we can't cheat. Yeah, even of. though I cheated earlier. Yeah. So now we get to the sort of, I think, iconic sequence, which is the heroes trapped beneath the mountain range and the Hulk is keeping them alive by holding. And Jim Shooter knows this is a big sequence. uh, uh, And so does Bob Layton, because like they even start with sort of this wide eye view of the mountain and they kind of zoom in on some fissures. Then they kind of go into this darkness where we can't see anything with just a word balloon saying, how about a little light? Like we're sort of like we're we're taking our time getting into the situation. For the Secret Wars, this is like an incredible amount of patience. Yeah. Th- like three whole panels of setup. Yeah, we could have. That's a, that's amazing. We could have wiped out a galaxy. <laughs> exactly. They took two panels to do that. We could have mentioned that Denver is on this planet and taken two of its citizens and made them superheroes in that time. Uh, that being said, like this whole four-page sequence would be like three issues in today's comics. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel uh, creates light, so she does that. And we see that the Hulk... Is holding up the mountain just like on the cover, and all the heroes are sort of at. He dropped basically all the characters he was holding and caught the mountain. Uh, and they say something like Iron Man, like hollowed out just a little bit, giving him just enough space to do this. Yes, just the barest of justification as to what's happening. Yeah. Um, ben Grimm's hair looks different. Bob Layton draws Ben Grimm, right? That's Ben Grimm yeah. there next to Reed Richards. Yep. He looks totally different than yeah, Ben. Yeah, Ben Grimm. starts trying to wake. But I think Bob Layton's a good artist, but I. Uh, just that particular drawing, I'm not. I'm not a fan of. Yeah, uh, I, I prefer Zek to Layton's work in this series. But again, I don't know. Maybe Layton came in with like, you gotta do this fast because Zek's you, falling behind. You get two yeah. hours. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> uh, ben Grimm wakes up Reed, and because he's like, well, I can only know one person can get us out of the situation, uh, and he's the smartest person on the planet, Reed Richards. Yeah. Uh, and so Reed immediately gets to work. They sort of start talking through the idea. Um, I found this kind of exciting, even though it is like full of like, you know, sort of dumb comic book logic where you're just sort of like using kind of gobbledygook and arbitrary declarations. But it just the whole like read MacGyvering the superheroes together to amplify all of them. It was really yeah, fun. It's very fun. They list all the re- things that they can't do. And then it's like, so what can we do? It's, it feels almost like this is not true at all, but like a Breaking Bad thing where it's like. Uh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. All right. I got to figure some way out of this problem. Uh, yeah. I, we've now made it impossible. So now I have to think of the way out. It's not quite that because yes. you have Iron Man and his super high tech armor. But uh, yeah. So like Ben Grimm tells Reed, it's like there ain't enough air for the torch to flame on and burn his way out. It's probably too far anyway. No one here has enough power to cut through or dig out. And the Hulk says, except me, but if I let go, the rocks above us will fall, smashing us all before I could start digging. Uh, and Reed just snaps to work. He uh, uh, he also angers the Hulk to make Hulk more strong. Right. Before that, though, he takes all Hawkeye's high-tech arrows and Spider-Man's web shooters 
and, and takes apart them all apart for parts and yeah. uses them when he's sort of rewiring Iron Man's armor. The main way that people are a genius in the Marvel Universe is like mechanical. Right. Like Tony Stark, you know, Reed's always building machines. That is like the way you show that you're smart is you're like a gadget head. Yeah. Um, but it's very fun. It's a very fun moment there. But yeah, then at some point, um, uh, uh, Reed Richards talks about how Tony Stark is brilliant. Yeah, he's amazed at how well-designed Iron Man's armor And that's when the Hulk says, shut up, Richards. I'm tired of hearing about how brilliant you are and now how brilliant Stark is. Do you hear me? Yeah. The dumb brute who's buying you this time is fed up with that garbage. And Reed goes, I see. And then he starts insulting the Hulk. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of self-pitying mewling we expect from you, Hulk, or Dr. Banner, or whoever you are. But you're correct. You are a brute, so keep using your muscle. That's all you're good for. Why, you arrogant clown? You know I'm losing my <laughs> intellect, don't you? You think I'm just a dumb ox again already? Don't you? Well, maybe I am, but you better pray your stupid plan fails, because if we get out of here, I'm going to rip you apart. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Uh, and his plan basically yeah. is to like build these sort of like energy receptors for Iron Man's armor that the Torch and Captain Marvel can pour their energy into supercharging the Iron Man armor. Yeah, and then it like blasts a hole out of the size of the mountain and they can And right escape. before they do that, they say they hear some tapping. Um, oh, right. Yeah. There's basically okay. a line. Uh, Iron Man says, I hear something, a tapping noise. It's coming from that direction. And so he blasts towards this tapping noise. Uh, the hole he blasts is, <laughs> I don't know, 10 stories high? <laughs> I mean, more than that. It's like, it is a mountain. It is a... Thir- uh, two-thirds of the way up this mountain range. It is enormous. Uh, they all come flying out. It's cool, though. It's a cool big opening. They come out. Yeah, it's We fun. find out the tapping was Thor throwing his hammer full force into the mountain to try to dig them out. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. He's like, tapping? You were buried deep indeed. <laughs> yes. And so um, they've escaped, and that's kind of our happy ending. Now we go into basically setting up stuff for the next uh, issue. There's this funny line where... Uh, uh, Cap asks Thor if the Enchantress had somehow spirited him away. But we know that Thor let Enchantress go and they teleported away. And his response is, tis a tale long in the telling, which it's not. It's like, <laughs> no, I let her go. Right, right. I right. left with her. That's the story. But he doesn't want to say that because it makes him look bad, I think. Uh, yeah, they sent Captain Marvel out to scout, find because their base is now, you know, under a mountain. Gone. Yeah. Uh, and she finds like a... No, it's imploded. It's imploded. It imploded on, and then a mountain was dropped on it. Okay, yeah, so, that's right. I mean, the mountain is the size of the Andes range. I'm assuming it covers their base. Yeah. Um, she finds a village, though. There's like a civilization on this planet. Right. Uh, but it happens to be like right at the bottom of the hill that Galactus has been standing on. Yeah, so it unnerves them. Right. But they go and talk to these people who are your sort of like standard peaceful agrarian alien race like robed gentle looking folk right and they have luckily they have some sort of weird shaman lady who can heal people with her tans yeah so she heals up the torch's arm and maybe whoever else needs it and spider-man they're all sort of beat up and so and then ben Grimm turns back into the thing and at this point we don't know why right he turns back into the thing and walks off and then reed looks up at galactus and goes oh no no Right, Galactus raises his arms and is doing something. We don't yeah, know what. It seems like Reed is surprised, but from what I can tell, Galactus is just planning to eat the planet, which is his thing. 
Yeah, that shouldn't be you a surprise. You shouldn't be shocked. It'd be like, Spider-Man! What's Waffle Man doing? He's making waffles. What? <laughs> Spider-Man started walking on walls. I never expected it! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hulk is angry? Ugh. Johnny Storm flirts with the uh, lady who heals him in a very uh, yep. awful, bro-y way. Wow, I think I'm in love, baby. I'll tumble for you. <laughs> eh, it's not as bad as just grabbing somebody and kissing uh, them, And then you know, uh, Iron Man says, Torch, you got no class, man. <laughs> the, tor- but the Iron Man has also said some pretty awful things. Not awful, but like inappropriate things. Yeah, yeah. He's had he a couple of them. to Captain Marvel yeah. as some sort of like trophy or something. As talent. talent yeah. He's like, I'm not going to drop talent like yeah, this. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, but that's how that <laughs> issue ends. Galactus is up to something the heroes have barely survived, but they are reunited. A wasp is loose somewhere. We haven't seen the lizard in a while. Uh, and uh, the villains seem... I forgot about the yeah. lizard. All the Ditko characters are really overpowered. Uh, the lizard's else. fun, though, later on. Um, that's why I bring him up. Just sort of people... If I did a previously on, I would mention... I would show the lizard prominently in one of the shots so people knew he was missing. Um, Though I think maybe they just forgot four. to draw him for a while and then had to figure out what to do with him. Because <laughs> no villain mentions him. <laughs> they don't go, where's the lizard? <laughs> no one cares. Right, also, right. why bring the mindless lizard with you? That's such a bad choice, Beyond. <laughs> I mean, he's not helping. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that mountain scene is huge. It's, 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 it's really a great, fun. great, great sequence. It's really fun. I'm I'm glad we're reading it. Like it just, I mean, there is just a, a a lightness to the Secret Wars mm-hmm. where it's like fun first, powers first. Just I don't know. It, in a good way, it's like what would entertain a bunch of kids. But I, as a as a as a grown man, I'm like I like yeah. it too. I mean, I think that mountain sequence is a legit fun threat to put the heroes under to be like, how are they going to get out of this one? Even though mm-hmm. the answer is just like rebuilt something. Uh, it's still yeah. fun. It's like, oh, they dropped a mountain on them. Ooh. Like the villains yeah. didn't just like try to punch them. They did a smart move. There's a weird sort of like logic that you want as a fan of superheroes. Like you don't just want the Hulk to punch through. It's like too simple. That's yeah. like you haven't earned. So it's good that he's occupied. It's good that the torch can't. You don't just want one person's powers to solve the problem. So the whole like. Reed's brains plus yeah. Peter Parker's machines and Tony Stark's machines and Captain Marvel's power yeah. equals the solution. Oh, plus the Hulk. So, yeah, like it's, yeah. it's a good we sort little, of glossed over. It is the right amount of complexity of. We the sort puzzle. of glossed over like the reason Reed was angering the Hulk was to make him stronger. Yeah, to keep that matter. Because when the Hulk gets madder, he gets stronger, which he realizes when he comes out, which is why he doesn't kill Reed. Um, yeah, it also yeah. does this fun thing of like taking away Hawkeye's arrows, uh, which is like his only thing, and taking away Spider-Man's web shooters, which isn't his only thing, but like they have to be vulnerable. They have to trust yeah, each other. Like they've, they've their their powers have been diminished a little bit by this. Also, you're letting Reed Richards see your web shooters, and therefore he would instantly know how to make them and yep. how to build something to disarm them you're yeah, that's why in the 90s basically. the ff used to web sling all around the city because they stole his designs <laughs> um i still love ben grim web yeah swimming. so good um mm. we got a ton of emails will let us read them okay. all uh we also have a bunch of stuff from uh uh instagram and twitter i'm gonna do those first real quick okay tom royer posted this on instagram 
after so many years of watching the MCU Iron Man, I'm always struck by how primitive the old Iron Man armor looks now. I didn't follow the uh, I didn't follow Iron Man during the Silver Centurion era. That was a different design that he had later on, and then essentially stopped mm-hmm. reading comics during the '90s and aughts. So never saw those inspirations for the movies. Um, I get that. This still looks like when I when I think Iron Man, I think of this costume first because it was his Iron Man suit for so long. Uh, it's also Ditko designed the 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 red and yeah. gold stuff. Yeah, the one from this series. Just like Ditko designed Daredevil's red costume. It's not. We've we well, you've been shamed so many times for that. Um, yeah, that was Wallywood. I know. I got uh, it wrong. Scott Rogers posted on our Twitter account a few things that, that I want to uh, read. Um, okay. Uh, looking forward to Marvel Secret Wars. Best movie analogy of a so-so action movie with lots of stars. Force Ten from Navarone or Beyond the Poseidon Adventure are his suggestions. We okay. were talking about like what is the equivalent to Secret Wars in a movie. Um, okay, yeah, good, good. That's true. Those good suggestion. suggestions. I forgot about he that one. recommends us covering the early years of Marvel's Star Wars comics, which I've I've read a handful of, but I don't, I've not read a ton of. Yeah, um, and he also recommends the Marvel Switch game, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. He thinks we would like it. I do have a Switch, okay. but I. Uh, I can play like one game at a time, so that's uh, unlikely. Oh, and he also mentions there was okay. a—I never heard about this—a comic book called War of the Independence, and it was—it's—I oh, I remember it's like this a crossover series of all the independent comics, um, from like Image characters to Madman and the Tick and Zot, and just tons of characters are in it. it and yeah. I've never read it. Uh, from what I can tell it maybe never finished or still being worked on. Um, like it's just like something, an issue comes out every like three years or something. I don't know. Uh, cause if it has people like Zot in it and tick, it's been going for a while. Um, anyway, that's sort of fun. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about it, but I, I never it's also fun it. that just someone got the, all these ca- creators to say like, yeah, you can throw my character in there. Yeah. Uh, and then we had, uh, oh, Dave White was the person who recommended that video game, not Scott Rogers. Sorry. And, uh, good, good. And then, uh, 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 John, who, uh, I don't know John's last name cause it's his Twitter account, but he hosts a podcast where he, uh, covers cartoons. He talks about how much he loves, uh, uh, doom. Doom is more dialogue in this series and Brian Michael Bendis' entire Ultimate Spider-Man run is what he says. <laughs> Doom does talk a lot, but it feels like Doom. Uh, and uh, Crab Permit on Twitter says, I'm really loving Doom in this one. He's such a jerk. And just briefly, I was tricked into thinking he might team up with Reed. He probably thought he was going to yeah. as well. But the scene where he thinks he can simply tag along with Galactus is hilarious. Nice try, Doom. Yeah. So uh, lots of fun stuff on our uh Instagram and Twitter accounts. Well, and um, yes. And um, if you want to email us or engage with us there, our email address is screw it spidey at Gmail. And then our Twitter and Instagram is screw it comics. Uh, so I'm going to go through some of our emails too. Will first okay. one's from Jacob Costlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, mighty milk sops. The That's new us. season is looking great already. The very first episode, I'm only five minutes in and you're already t- talking format and segments for secret wars. <laughs> We even doubted the ability to cover two per episode. Not since the FF season has there been this breadth of possible format changes, and I am excited. Uh, I love Sand. That's a real fan. <laughs> he loves our format changes. Yeah. 
Uh, I love Sandman, one of my favorites of all time, but it'll be nice to hearing you guys talk about the more straightforward superhero stuff you both grew up with again. Keep up the great work, you yeah. prodigious panty wastes. Oh, I love it. Thank you so Thanks, much. Jacob. It is kind of nice to follow up indie artsy Sandman with like the most commercial superhero. Yeah, it thing. definitely occurred to me when we were doing Sandman that this would be a nice, especially Sam, Sandman is daunting and this is something that's sort of like very easy. <laughs> very fun. Uh, yeah. Chris Little emails. Greetings, milksops. <laughs> uh, my name is You laugh every time someone calls you milksops. It's, I really love it because uh, like, it just happened organically. Like we did not make that decision. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm a longtime fan of your podcast. The first episode I listened to was the first appearance of the Green Goblin episode starring Scott Ackerman. Yes. Uh, I've been hooked ever since. I would like to second the recommendation to cover Superior Spider-Man. This keeps coming up, Will. Given to you by yeah. a fan from the most recent episode. I have a fun fact to add to it that might entice you further. Sometime after listening to your whole first season of Ditko Comics, I decided to reread Superior Spider-Man on Marvel Unlimited during a long trip. Since your podcast was still fresh in my mind, I noticed something interesting about the run. Every single villain introduced in that first Ditko run makes an appearance at least once. Even the minor league guys like the Looter and Molten Man get a spot with the major players like Green Goblin and the Enforcers. After huh. noticing this, I read it again and noticed even more scenes that were homages to that original OG uh, uh, Ditko run only handled in a Doc Ock way. I'd love to hear you cover it and see if you notice the same things I did, even if it's only a couple of issues. I will say, before I got this email, I reread the first five issues of Superior Spider-Man for a separate reason. Because uh, okay. someone uh, referenced uh, an issue. Basically, before Superior Spider-Man, there's like three issues of Amazing Spider-Man that sort of are a prelude to it. And uh, okay. a podcast, The Amazing Spider uh, Talk, uh said that uh commented that one of those issues was they think the best issue of the decade of spider-man so i'm like oh, i wow. gotta reread this issue and then i read the the following like six issues because i was like oh let's that was fun and i wanted to read i, for, I forgot how fun the beginning of the superior spider-man arc is um yeah. uh, and the living brain is a big part of the superior spider-man so at least that minor league ditko creation is there <laughs> uh, it's a it is a very a fun brain. very comic booky series um people really people love, it. love it he's, he's not alone in wanting us to cover it uh joe wartman emails us hey kevin yeah. and will thanks for mm-hmm. turning out the hits week after week you do a good great job of picking a variety of comics and i'm excited that you're going back to a classic marvel series this is a great question will which marvel character that didn't appear in secret wars would you have liked to see in the book is there a character whose presence could have been interesting, fun, impactful, etc.? Keep milksopping, Joe. Well, the one I think of is, I mean, I'm just very biased by which heroes I like, but Daredevil is the one that I think of. Uh, I mean, he wouldn't have a lot to do with, like, mountain ranges falling on yeah. people. But if there was, like, some way that, like, he could do some, like, sort of sleuthing or, or maybe, like, some alien race that's also blind but communicates with a radar sense so he can do it or something. But, or maybe just like with the presence of Daredevil comes some kind of film noir like aesthetic, yeah. you know, just like Miller's mood sort of follows the character a little bit. The Frank, the Frank Miller yeah. visual aesthetic. Even more than Spider Man, he'd be a great character to sort of be like the hero that's sort of overwhelmed by this. Yeah. He'd be so out of his element. Look, it'd be a real surprise. If he were able to contribute in some way, that um, could be fun. So that's that's Daredevil's my pick. a great pick. Obviously, he 
it was just like had just become like super popular. So it feels like he is a myth and he's one of the action figures they make. Uh, I also think the invisible woman would be fun pregnant or not. I think she'd be really fun to have there. Yeah. I think her power set is very interesting and be fun yes. and visually uh, interesting. Other than that, um, I'm trying to think what Marvel characters existed at this time. Um, let's, uh, uh, let's get power pack on this planet. <laughs> the kids, yeah, uh, yeah. That'd be a terrible Cloak idea. Cloak and dagger. Cloak and dagger would be uh, there. Punisher. I mean, Dr. Strange is missing. Magic would sort of, mm-hmm. is such, so tricky to write that I'm sort of glad he's missing. But if he was there, like a mountain has dropped on you, he magics their way out, right? Well, he could at least, his ghost could go out and maybe get Thor or yeah. something like that, or I don't know. Um, so he would be very impactful. I'd also like to see some other villains uh, here. It feels like the villains are sort of underrepresented, uh, even though there's some really powerful ones. The Wrecking Crew are so pathetic that, you know, it's it, it's sad yeah. that, like, there's not, I, I don't know, I think the Wrecking Crew is sort of like thugs. Where, like, you don't have enough of, like, right. it's the A-list heroes versus a couple A-list villains. Yeah, like, Loki, maybe? or Yeah, like, Loki um, jumps to mind. Um, I mean, maybe... Red Skull. Red Skull, uh, Baron Zemo. Uh, the leader. The leader would be great. Abomination. That would be yeah. a great uh, uh, Hulk-like villain. But, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I like when the villains outnumber the heroes. I think it's more fun for the heroes. But I think that's a really cool yeah. question, Joe. Thanks for asking it. If people have answers to Thank that, you, please email us. I'd love to know what other people think about that. Yep. Screwed Spidey at Screwed Spidey at uh, I'm going to skip the next one. I'm going to go back to it in a second. Uh, Brandon Webb. It's just, I'm going to save the longest one for last. Uh, Brandon see. Webb emails. Hello there, brothers. I first discovered you milk sops in the middle of the Fantastic Four run. Backtracked through Spidey and have been with you ever since. Uh, I'm finally yeah. going to read along with you this season for The Secret Wars. My question to both of you is that your thoughts on the calls for Marvel to retire Frank Castle. Um, oh, yeah, so right. Because, because the, um, uh, uh, both the mob on the Capitol. The mob on the Capitol and also uh, other the thing- police officers who've like shot black people uh, sometimes embrace the uh, Punisher logo. Yeah. The um, wrong people are embracing Punisher. Yes. Um, it's a it's a good question. I. I, I like the, I think there's a good intention to retire it, but I, I don't think that's necessary because the Punisher has always been presented as a like complicated, flawed person who like goes too far. He, he I don't think he's often in the stories that I have read of Punisher, including Mike Zeck's miniseries in the eighties. Um, he was like, what happens if somebody takes vigilanteism too far and goes too violent? He's a cautionary tale. I don't think he's celebrated. Yeah. Um, it's like if Wolverine is a hero who often is like quite violent and grisly, but never like crosses a line into villaindom. I don't think maybe not, not generally, maybe there's some story Mm -hmm. where he has, but usually the thing with Wolverine is like, he seems like he could go too far, but he ultimately is always a hero. Uh, Punisher is presented as a villain, so I don't think that's on Marvel. I, I I think maybe they could address it. They could do a Punisher story in response to this. They definitely have addressed it. No one cares what happens in the comics, unfortunately. So here's my pitch, Will. Tell me what you think about this. Okay. Use the, the, the okay. power and the money of Disney to 
create a version, change Punisher slowly through the comics and on and make movies and TV shows starring this Punisher, even though these would be huge failures, and make him like a Jar Jar Binks like inept comic relief character. Because <laughs> I think if you just stop using him, it wouldn't change anything. Skull looks too cool. Those old comics still yeah. exist. But if he becomes so overwhelmingly tainted <laughs> by being a bumbling idiot, like a Clouseau, <laughs> but like not as funny, uh, like a less effective <laughs> Inspector Clouseau type Punisher. Oh, he's shooting himself in the foot. Like a like a Don Knotts style <laughs> Punisher. <laughs> like they made like three movies in a Netflix series and the comic <laughs> ran for like a hundred issues. And like that just became the Punisher, man. There's just, you can't get away from it now. Yeah. Yeah. No one's gonna embrace the Punisher, <laughs> and everyone's like, "That guy with the uh, guns, what an idiot!" Like all guys with guns, you could just be great, right? So, you th- how about that idea? That's really innovative. I li- I like how interesting that is, and I have to admit that would work. <laughs> that would people would stop using the Punisher if you gave him Jar Jar Binks' voice <laughs> and an Inspector Clouseau plot. Co- uh, a, an angry cop or any authority figure would be real hesitant to put that skull on there. <laughs> On their uh, over their means to shoot the kingpin. <laughs> Is that how Char Char talks? I think it's something like that. I think that so. Misa family got murdered. Uh, thank you for writing, Brandon. I hope I solved your problem. Uh, <laughs> we got a bunch more. Will I'm gonna try to get through them fast? Um, let's see. Um, uh, oh, maybe we don't have that many. Okay, here's one. Julio Casada uh, emails us. Hey guys, really excited mm-hmm. for the new season on Secret Wars. Here's my questions. What elements from Secret Wars, Secret Wars 2, uh, and Secret Wars 2015 would you like to see in the MCU? Uh, what things yeah. from those comics do you think they should skip for a movie adaption? The Russo brothers have said they would return to direct for a Secret Wars movie. Love the show. Keep it up. Your friendly neighborhood, Julio. Well, the Russo brothers do it. would be great. Uh, their Captain America movie was so good, right? They did the Captain America movie, They right? did they Infinity did War Soldier. and Endgame and Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War. Captain America Civil War is already pretty close to the just like throw a lot of people in a battle yeah. together. Like that had that element, you know, Giant Man and Spider-Man right. and stuff. Um, um, that was really yeah, I think fun. I the problem with Secret Wars is even though this comic's fun, it would feel dumb. Like if a movie just started with like yeah. all the heroes just appearing on a planet going, what? Yeah. I mean, it should be a video game is what mm-hmm. it should be because like, you know, a triple A level video game with like cutscenes and a story with like some real grinding out in between that, that would be really fun. The sequences I like from this comic, I think could work in a movie. The mountain dropping, I think would work. It would have to uh-huh. be tweaked in, in yeah. a little bit, but it would be really fun. Uh, I think Secret Wars might be a really fun way to bring the FF and Doom into, uh, at least uh, at least Doom, into the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Um, and I think the end of Secret Wars, which I don't know if you've read ahead, Will, so I'm not going to... I haven't, but feel free to spoil uh, it. I think the end, how Doom gets defeated at the end, is a very fun sequence. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing that aspect played out in a movie. I'm not going to say more. We'll, we'll, I don't know if my readers are reading ahead. So we'll, we'll we'll cover that when we get to it. But I do think that would sort of work in a movie too. It, it's a very satisfying resolution to uh, uh, imp, uh, nigh unlimited power. Yeah. Um, but I, overall, I don't think this plot works. I don't think the Beyonder works. I don't, secret, don't bring anything for Secret Wars 2. 
Uh, and I think Secret Wars um, 2015, which Will hasn't read, is it's, it's like a multiverse story. It's a it's a what if story. It, it's just it's it's messy. It works as a comic book because you can have like thirty side series. But uh, the parts that are good are seeing characters work together who don't normally have to deal with each yeah. other, and seeing people combine their personalities and powers to like get out of jams. Yeah. So you could do that with a much smaller cast. Right. I think like the Kree Skrull War. Not the plot of the Kree Skull War, but the concept behind that works better as a movie than Secret Wars and things like that. Like this hero's getting sort of pulled into like an interstellar war might be more yeah. interesting than just like them fighting on a rando planet. But if the Russo brothers have an idea, and, I'd, I'm I'm on I'm on board. Yeah, we know they're good. I mean, Infinity War was really good, right? Yeah. But I was tired at the end of that second one. I wasn't like raring for more. I was like. I was like, Phew. <laughs> God. I think that's why they're giving us a break you know? for a while. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, okay. One more email. This one's a long one. This is from uh, Justin who's emailed us a bunch. This is a long one, but there's a bunch of good stuff in here that I want to cover. I might skim it a little bit. Well, I'm prepared. Uh, Brother signs. Welcome back. It's been too long. Some comments. Uh, if you liked Secret Wars, don't sleep on the Contest of Champions. I mentioned this well as Contest of Champions is sort of like a pre-Secret Wars comic. Okay. Uh, they, they were the first limited series from Marvel. Uh, it's heroes only, essentially competing against each other as pawns for the Grandmaster and Death for Life of the uh, Collector. And the art is pretty great, too. And I haven't read it, uh, but Justin says it's good. So, it's a, Okay. He liked our discussion about Spider-Man's new costume. I agree with both your points. The black costume is really caught on. I mean, I do like the classic better myself, but that all black and white, huge white spider are amazing. I also like the original design. Have you looked at the end of the trade wheel at the original design yet? Um, I think I did. It's really yeah, like red yeah. in it. Uh, it has a spider logo. Be yes. red against black. Uh, Will you and Will were discussing how the classic costume just pops with the red and blue and makes him a more upbeat character versus the more serious, dangerous look he has in the black costume. What if Spider-Man's costume followed the black costume design, but in the original colors, uh, red logo, blue, everything else. What then? Uh, so if the, if they just had red logos instead of white, uh, I don't think that works as well for me. Yeah. It'd be too similar. Like the nice thing about the black costume is it, it is its own thing. Yeah. I think the red, the giant red spider on the front would would be almost garish against the black of it all. Yeah. Uh, because like even Miles Morales, who has like a little bit of red in his costume, it's like, like a highlighting of red and his costume looks great. Yeah. Um, I think they made the right decision. I think the black costume is really, really good the way that the way it they works. did it. It's hard. If you just, you don't want to tweak it. <laughs> Yeah. Too much. Uh, what other costume make? Uh, uh, you said something else. Just uh, I'm looking at the black costume with the red logo that's at the back of the Secret Wars um, trade paperback. It looks like Sin City almost. Hmm. You know, just like a splash of yeah, color. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it would probably work evil. better in a black and white comic with red. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's keep going. What other animal. costume makeovers have stood the test of time? Well, Iron Man for definitely. Yeah, for Iron sure. Man going from his like big bulky suit to the. Uh, no, that was pretty early, but that that technically is a makeover. Same with Daredevil going from the yellow, yeah. circusy outfit to the 
That's also red. a good example where I like his original costume. The second one is better, but they're both like the first one isn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Daredevil, yeah. you're talking about? Um, yeah. The second one is just perfect, so it's tough to beat. Uh, Wolverine got a costume makeover, and his second one was better. Um, yeah, he says it right. The original was like yellow and yep. blue and stuff, and then it became the orange and brown. That's what one. Uh, uh, Justin brings that up as as his choice as well. Though he's gone back, I think, to yellow and blue more recently. He kind of flip flops all over now. Okay. Um. Uh, and Thor's gone through like a lot of characters go through small tweaks. Like Thor's yeah. constantly is changing a little bit for a while. He had like metal sleeves or uh, the, during Walt Simonson, he had like the mask for a bit or he gets a beard. But those don't feel like redesigned so much. It's just sort of like evolving costumes. The Daredevil one is a redesign. Yeah. The Iron Man one, even though early on, is for sure a redesign. Um, I mean, now Iron Man suit just changes like every storyline. Uh, and I miss yeah. him having like a set costume personally, but I get it. Um, I mean, the Hulk going gray even though he had been gray in the first issue, the gray felt like a redesign. They go back to that all the yeah. time because it just looked cool. I mean, I don't, is that a redesign I or guess just Captain America went from like a, he, the shield became round after a right, little while. Yeah. I mean, that was a, it originally had that, like that more like a, a classic shield. Outline. I also think uh Nightwing, um, his original costumes in the teen Titans. I don't like them, uh, where he had sort of like a popped disco collar, and I loved his uh, <laughs> uh, his now more subdued costume that he wears. And it's had variations, yeah. but it, they really fixed it in the aughts. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, those ones are the ones that jump out to me as well. He talks about Transformers and G.I. Joe comics. Furthermore, Hasbro was smart to team up with Marvel early. Bob Budensky basically fleshed and created this transformer characters and personalities and backstory entirely. Hasbro Hasbro hadn't even decided who was good or bad yet. Same with Larry Hama and GI Joe. I believe Hama also edited the nom. Additionally, both properties were discussed have been taking had to discussed to have been taking place in the Marvel universe. Not unlike Rom supposedly. However, this idea was Nick since Marvel didn't own Rom. And once that license went away, couldn't refer to those stories for licensing reasons, which is probably for the best. Still, G.I. Joe's nemesis Cobra was originally going to be Hydra and is heavily based on Hydra, so the DNA is there. I didn't know Cobra was based on Hydra. Yeah, I didn't really read G.I. Joe comics. I knew that Marvel wrote all like the little backstories for the Transformer characters that were on the toys when you bought them, which is yeah. crazy. Like, uh, And that's just like licensed money that Marvel got that like they got paid and the writer got paid and Marvel made some money off that. But it was not like – that didn't like show up in like – making Marvel more popular. It was just sort of like, Oh, Marvel just did these cool transformer things and helped out this company. They just, they just lent their storytelling yeah. abilities. Uh, and transformers like have stood the test of time. So I guess they did a good job. Uh, Orson Wells did Unicron's voice, not Optimus prime. Uh, that's right. It was voiced by Peter Cullen. Uh, he, I love that movie that's while right. acknowledging that it isn't great. Says Justin. Um, uh, Justin says something here. Having had some superpowers and Secret Wars toys growing up, the superpowers toys were, for what existed at the time, far more superior. They just had soft capes, action features, and a far more differing range of sizes and looks. Secret Wars really looked to be done on the cheap. He says that yeah. I far preferred the Secret Wars toys as a kid. Um, why? The Secret Wars kit toys all had like you squeeze their arms and their legs move, uh, or you squeeze mm-hmm. their legs and their their fists swing, and I hate that stuff. 
Um, yeah. I don't like that's the super that's the superpowers yeah. ones. I don't like that stuff at all. Uh, yeah, they looked good, but there's something very simple and durable about these uh, Spider-Man toys. Like they're the, the, the Secret Wars toys. They weren't as good for like standing on your shelf and looking at, but they were very playable. Uh, and the simplicity of them, I don't know. Let my mind play with them and imagine things much easier than the DC characters. We should get Jesse Falcon on and talk about toys. I'd love that. Uh, I'd love to hear his thoughts on yeah. it. But the Secret Wars toys, some about, they were cheap. Like, they're just like these sort of simple paint jobs. Like, a lot of them have the exact same body type, like Daredevil and Spider-Man. And most of, most of them are exactly the same muscle build. But I don't know. I didn't care. They, they looked right to me. Uh, where, like, the DC ones, I only had a few of them. I didn't want more of them. I mean, maybe that's because I was reading more Marvel comics, but... When I look back at the Secret Wars toys, I look back at them fondly. When I look back at the Super Powers toys, I think, yeah, I'm glad I don't still have them. So, but uh, I All mean, right. the Super Powers toys sold way better. That's for sure true. Yeah. Uh, one last thing he says you glossed over a little reason why Shooter was perhaps cocky. He started writing Legion of Superheroes comics at 14 years old and ended up writing some of the oh. biggest classic storylines for the Legion and also created some of its most lasting villains. He co-wrote the I first that, Superman that. Flash race, created some other memorable DC villains, some of whom have lasted. So the extent of the stories of him telling the writers how it's done are true. It may have been a big, been a case of the I still got it mindset. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's a great point. Uh, I, I always forget how young Shooter started um, as a writer. Uh, I knew yeah. he did Legion. I didn't know he did the Superman Flash race first. Uh, I did know he, you know, cut his teeth on Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, oh, as a kid, I mean that's too young, right? <laughs> we were just reading these comics. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready to write. Uh, them. Thanks, I'm not ready to write uh, them. Thanks now. for the long emails, Justin. I always love getting them, even though I don't always respond to them, um, and we don't always read all of them on the air. I love them all. Uh, that's it for tonight. Will, uh, thanks so much for uh, listening, everybody. We'll see you next episode as we go over issues five and six. Right. Bye, guys. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just comics. My name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.